Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. We're on a collision course with the national championship, and the only variable is time. Because the train is rolling, so anybody out there, I can't tell you what's going to happen right now. It's coming. Get on board, but get out the way. That's what that is right there. We're coming like this, man. When you like this, you can't be baby. You're listening to From the Pink Seats Podcast of the State of Louisville Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, Jacob Lane, Matt McGavin, and Vince Lococo. At least the beer was flowing on Friday night in Cardinal <laughs> Stadium. That's about one of the only few good things that I can say about what my eyes witnessed. Welcome into From the Pink Seats podcast. We've got a lot to get into tonight as we talk Louisville football, break down the Florida State loss, and then dive into Louisville's next game uh, with South Florida on Saturday. Tons and tons to talk about. Uh, and we've brought some numbers, some heavy-hitting data tonight to do some some tough conversating here. I'm Jacob Lane. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Vincent Lacoco. No Matt McGavick tonight. Matt is still weeping. Uh, and just kidding, he's not weeping. Matt's been grinding the last couple of days with all the commitments of basketball, football, media, all that stuff. Matt's got the night off. So we're joined instead by my good friend, my cohort at the State of Louisville, Presley Meyer, host of Starting 502 Podcast. Presley, welcome in, buddy. Reoccurring That's guest. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah there you go. I'm, Meyer. I'm the I'm the reoccurring guest, uh, but no, I'm I'm this this will be cathartic for me. You know, I've talked about, you know, I I felt like Friday, even with the loss, was a top five just Louisville game experience, just because, you know, Jacob and I spent pretty much the whole day, you know, making sure we regretted the next morning. Um, you know, I probably tweeted some things I shouldn't have tweeted, um, but no, I mean, honestly, truly, it was a great time, great atmosphere. You couldn't have asked for better weather. Um, I was still excited to be out there. I'm still just as pumped to go on Saturday, um, you know, and that's the true fan in me. So um, I, I think this will be this will be good for all of us. That's right. We've got a ton to get into, including a couple of articles that Presley has, has written at stateofloval.com, which if you have not checked that out, I would encourage you to go and do that right now while you listen to the show. That will be sort of our guide for the evening. Uh, and as far as what's left on the rest of the itinerary for the show, of course, we're going to dive into the FSU game. We're going to have Vince's game notes where he breaks down what he saw on film rewatching the game. Uh, because much like us, Vince also lived to forget about the game the next day. Vince, I hope that's okay with me sharing that. But had we all had time. a good time. Let's just say had a good time. We had a good time. That's right. That's right. Hey, that, that was was just, a, we were, I had hey, a look. good time outside of the drinking. For, for, you, for the listeners, that was the first game my dad had been to since – 2020 so he didn't go to a single game all last year uh which i tried pulled you know trying to get him to come out so it was fun actually you know getting to tailgate with him and enjoy U bell game sure outside the, the drinking the atmosphere was perfect uh and the game was the tailgate was great the weather was great the people were great the beer was great the food was great everything was awesome except for what ended up happening on the football field in the final few minutes we're going to get into all of that and then we're going to of course have fife 
Fives Picks and Pfeiffer, former Louisville football tight end, will join us uh, to give us his picks for the week. We've also got a, a, a nice little conversation with Ian on his thoughts and what he's watched the last couple of weeks that I, that I hope you'll, you'll uh, listen to because, again, the, the, what makes our show different is the fact that you have former players and former coaches who are giving you opinions on what they're seeing. These guys are not sugarcoating it. They're telling you what they see from a film perspective, okay? I want to make sure I set the, the tone of that early, which we will get into that. Uh, and then, of course, we've got South Florida to get into. Louisville will take the field on Saturday uh, against a team that uh, played a hell of a game against Florida last weekend. So all of that to get into predictions uh, and a bunch of other shenanigans along the way. But let's waste no time here. Half of our audience, we know why you're here. We know. We're Talk not stupid. about San X Trinity this week, right? That's right. Big game. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's no way around the fact that for the last week, like the, uh, the meme of Hannibal Burris, We've been getting cooked, okay? We will lie down, and we will accept our cookness. We were cooked, much like Jarvis Brownlee, and it was bad, okay? Some of the takes that, that our Florida State friends listened to last week, they weren't great, okay? You got to look at things in, in full context and not in just a vacuum, and what we found were Florida State fans extremely excited about a 2-0 start, beating a, a story program in LSU who just won a championship the last uh, couple of years. Mike Norvell has been the, the, the focus of doubt and the hot seat rumors in the ACC. And the man has survived. He's And look, I was impressed by what I saw. I know Louisville did a lot of stuff wrong. But what I saw from Florida State, one, Johnny Wilson, that dude needs to be on an NFL roster tomorrow. You talk about moving like that at six foot seven, 235 pounds. Incredible. Okay. Is that the tall guy? That's the tall guy. That's all we got. Is that the tall guy out there? Let's go recruit some six foot seven defensive backs. And then maybe in a few years, Sat won't have that to say. But you have to give credit where credit is due. They played a good game. Tate Rodemaker came in and played a hell of a game for a backup. The dude got absolutely lit up by Yasir Abdul on that deep, deep uh, slant crossing pattern to Johnny Wilson. Absolutely lit up, but he got right back up and he balled. And that's the kind of stuff uh, that shows that Florida State's culture has changed, that they are not the same team that my good friend here, Vincent Lococo, said that they were. But yep. Vince. I'll eat my words. Florida State fans were upset at you because you described the old Florida State. And Florida State beat LSU by one point on a blocked uh, extra point or a blocked field or whatever it was at the end of that game late. They they had several uh, helping hands from muff punts from LSU. Okay? You're welcome like, for that at- one, too. Jared Jackson came here first. That's You're right. Welcome. You don't win that game without us, in my opinion. Yeah. You know? Right? That's, that's, that's a win, that's a win for this. both of us. But here's what I'll say. Florida State fans, you guys were right. We were wrong. We will eat our words. We got our predictions wrong. We are 0-9 as a show combined on predictions. It is not going well for us. Uh, I know, Presley, you weren't on the show last week, but make us a little bit more favorable at Florida State fans. You did pick Florida State to win. Okay, so we're not, but we were wrong. You were right. Congratulations. And, and, and let me we'll say see this you as, next year. And as, as, as somebody who wasn't on the show and as somebody who's taken up for myself and the show against literally every single person as kindly as possible, I got people in my DMs calling me a moron, an idiot, quit the show, give up my life, jump off the first, second street bridge, whatever, which is fine. And I just said, you're still wrong because they still are wrong because Florida State still is very undisciplined. I Ooh, love a double just, down. I love no, a no, double no. down. And, and listen, I'm, I'm doubling down because I'm right. Florida State still is undisciplined. They're just less undisciplined than they were two years ago and less undisciplined than they were last year. But listen, they were less undisciplined than they were against LSU too, okay? Let's, let's be honest about that. And you're right, Jacob. They were one blocked at your point, and they would, then they block a field goal and had two muff. Like, come on, let, let's calm down just a little bit, okay? First of all, let's not act like this is LSU with Joe Burrow back there, all right, and Jamar Chase. 
this is LSU that's going to struggle for the first couple of years with their fake country ass coach. Okay. So n- number one, let's throw, let's put that into perspective. Okay. And number two, Louisville choked that freaking game away. And you're about to sit here and listen to us for the next 30 minutes. If you so choose to do so, and we're going to roast the heck out of them. So with all of that in mind, you guys are getting super chesty about beating two teams in some pretty shitty situations. So with all that in mind, we can move on, but I just wanted to say, I I know you guys are going to be humble and and whatever else, but you guys are right. I mean, and Jacob and I were sitting sitting there in the stands roasting our own team the other night. So it's not like they were just beating some, you know, you, you can't, you can't have it both ways. You can't say this is the FSU of old and then have to have the Louisville have to turn the ball over twice at the end of the, of the first half in order to even make it a game in the first place. There's a lot of mistakes that Louisville made on their own end uh, that, that ultimately played, played into Florida state's hands. So with all that being said, we can move on. Here's the last thing I want to say on Florida State fans, and then I want to move on past this. Florida State fans on Twitter are freaking hilarious, man. From Matt yes. McGavick's comment, the tweet last week from the press conference about Jarvis Brownlee circling this on his calendar, to the meme of the burnt toast at the, 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 at the podium, to the quote tweets on our video that the guy, uh, one of the Florida State fans uh, tweeted out, which thank you for that. Over that was 8, impressive. Views. He made that. Yeah. He did. With yeah. over 8,000 <laughs> views. So thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, but no, it's been, it's nothing but fun. I actually really enjoy Florida State fans. It's definitely been a journey the last few years for both programs. I think that at the end of the day, we could all probably have a beer together and really have uh, our own group therapy. But for now, we all uh, don't like Miami. No, that's right. That's yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, like, and, we can definitely have beer with that. Yeah. So, here we go. Let's dive into this game. 35-31, general overview of the Florida State-Louisville matchup from Friday night. Louisville loses in a game in a situation where they go into the fourth quarter winning. And not only that, but Louisville has outgained Florida State by 100 yards at this point, okay? This is Louisville's game to win. I don't think anybody could disagree with that. When you look at the factors of it, you have Jordan Travis already out for the game. You've got guys like uh, Tatum Bethune, guys like Jared Verse going in and out with injuries. Uh, You've got other injuries on the offensive line. The left tackle has to come out. This is a situation where Louisville is set up to win. Malik Cunningham, uh, from a rushing standpoint, uh, is really kind of carrying the game. But what it comes down to was the rest of the numbers and and kind of the the lack of ability to close late like we've seen with Scott Satterfield over the years. So for Louisville, Malik Cunningham leads the way from a passing standpoint. 21 of 34, 243 yards, throws his first touchdown of the season, uh, but also throws that interception late on a play uh, that we'll get into here in a little bit. Uh, but surprise, surprise, Malik Cunningham for the second straight week leads the team in rushing. 17 carries, 127 yards, two touchdowns, including that 40-yard run. Uh, he was impressive running. I thought it was his best game overall running. I know he ran really well against Central Florida, but I, I felt up until late when I only have the feeling that they were telling him, Malik, you need to stay in the pocket and find a guy open. Malik is running the ball lights out. He's absolutely taking advantage of what the defense is giving him. Sometimes too soon, sometimes to his own fault, but most times big plays. Jawar Jordan, who steps in as the starting running back due to Tyon Evans and Jalen Mitchell both being out, goes for 17 and 91. He had a great game, ran angry, really did a good job of being involved in the game from a run block standpoint, uh, a running and blocking standpoint. And then Trevion Cooley was the surprise of the game. 10 carries, 34 yards, touchdown. Uh, he played really well. Really good to see him get involved out there. I like his ass off, too. Yeah, we have, been, we have been talking about maybe he's not playing because of his blocking on previous shows. And, I mean, I sent you guys that clip of him with that chip block. And, I mean, he, he, he was doing his part all around the field. 
Love to see it. And then from the receiving standpoint, Amari Huggins-Bruce leads the team in receiving for the first time this year. Three receptions, 61 yards. I should say the second time this year because he did lead the team, I think, overall in yards last week. Had that 55-yard play. Also had a couple of other plays where he could have had uh, a really, really big games, but either drops or deflections from the Florida State team uh, caused that. And then Braden Smith has his best game of the year. Goes five for 50. Malik constantly was looking for him on third downs. Uh, they, were, they were trying to get him involved at every single opportunity. And then D Wiggins two for 41. Uh, but unfortunately you lose D Wiggins for the season, as we found out today uh, with a toe injury. That's an injury that I would miss a season over as a toe. I'd be like, guys, I broke my toe. I can't, I can't play. Does can't he have do another it. year? He probably does. I don't know, man. They hand out years like, like candy at this point. The NCAA does. So we'll see seventh, eighth year. Let's go. Maybe Ian Pfeiffer's got another year as well. We bring them both back. See what we do. 2023. Uh, and then Tyler Hudson four for 40 uh, had his worst game of the year in terms of just being able to get open. You saw in this game, the first, time where separation was an issue against some of the the more athletic and talented defensive backs in the ACC but Trevion Cooley four for 36 and a, and a touchdown there the first touchdown of the season from Malik and then Marshawn Ford three for 15 just brutal just the mistakes that Louisville made from a defensive standpoint Yasir Abdullah eight tackles two tackles for loss a nasty QB hit on on uh, uh, uh Rotomaker there he stands out I thought he had a hell of a game Yaya Diaby also played well Destel played well uh, a couple of other guys popped but overall just an ugly situation for Louisville there there uh, and another kind of Louisville situation one could say in terms of the fact that from a total yards Louisville outgains Florida State by 40 and Presley will get into here in a little bit some of the numbers of Louisville outgaining their opponents but fellas let's jump right into Vince's game notes it's time to get down to brass tacks Vince's Game Notes with Vincent Lococo. Vince, please tell us what you saw on the film this week. Well, before Presley gets into uh, the real nitty-gritty detail stuff, I'm just going to be going over just plays, like Jacob said, that stuck out in, in my head and things that I noticed throughout the game. Uh, one of the things, mainly on the first drive, was the DB's uh, eyes not being in the right position. It starts off with Ben Perry. And, I mean, just completely gets caught with his eyes looking in the backfield at the running back, gets beat across his face on an over route, and, you know, that's to start it off. And then on the first play, linebackers have their eyes in the back – or in the first touchdown, linebackers have their eyes in the backfield. Touchdown right there. Uh, One thing I also – and not to cut you off, but those were really, really concerning plays early on. And what I saw – I worried when I would watch it again later that it was going to be guys just simply missed their coverage. And sure enough, uh, on that first big play and, and then the touchdown, it's just guys just running past other guys yeah. and them having their eyes elsewhere. That, that's what pisses me off the most is it's just guys running past guys. There's no hands-on. There's no chuck. There's no – I mean, there's a run with, but what's the use of running with whenever you're three steps behind already? You yeah. know, these are, these are ACC wide receivers as well, just as much as you're an ACC defensive back, and they will outrun your ass. Uh, one thing that I noticed, just a stat they showed, Jordan Travis's completion percentage. He was, over the years, 19 was 54.5, 20 was 55%, 21 was 62.9, and 22 was 64.6. So, I mean, the kid has improved every year passing the ball, and I just, you know, I feel like that reflects our quarterback just as much because he was here as, as well at Louisville. Uh, what else going on the defense? Uh, Effort-wise. Effort was not there at all. I mean, people were pointing it out from the TV commentators talking about our defense is just a click behind to Mike Glazer on Twitter. I mean, 
it it it's not uh, good. and and coach uh, uh coach uh uh god i will never remember his name yeah. coach 30 thank you i think yeah i think coach 30 my favorite know. line of that just just hilarious sorry to to, to kind of interrupt here but <laughs> talking about i think it was kendrick duncan uh missing or it might have been monty montgomery one of them missed a play a tackle really bad he said you pissed down your leg and fell fell to your fell to your knees like mary magdalene just incredible incredible that's a haymaker dude you don't come back from that all right so sticking with the defensive side of the ball our linebackers are playing slow as hell it's like they're hopping too much in the hole if you guys watch them, it's like this. They're pity. I'm a big fan around. of hopping it's, in the hole. It, Just it, it doesn't make any sense. What? Why you would hop in the hole? <laughs> but they need to fucking get on a beeline and just go straight for the running back. Come off the uh, the guard's hip. Come right off his hip and just shoot the gap and make the play. I think guys like Dorian Jones and KJ Cloyd would be much better uh, at that. Jacob Presley, we talked about it uh, at Roosters on Sunday. Uh, we feel it'd be best if they move Dorian Jones in that full-time linebacker spot and kind of use Monty more of a situational kind of guy. I'm not sure. It seemed like he had a lot of missed tackles along with Kendrick Duncan having a lot of missed tackles. Which Kendrick- I want to say, I want to count, I want to point out, Kendrick Duncan is the number one player in the country in missed tackles right now, according to PFF. That is a bad stat for a, a guy who is in his fifth year that that we've been talking about, and not just us. Okay, if you go back and you look at when he transferred, that's NFL talent. That's a guy that's draftable. He's no longer draftable. No longer draftable. No. And let, let, let me – well, I was just going to point out as well, just to piggyback on that, it's a really bad sign when your defense – for your entire defense, when your leading tackler also leads the country in missed tackles. Probably not a good thing because that no. means that he's had way too many opportunities to have tackles. And people should not be getting to the second level at that high of a rate. Yeah, exactly. Uh, another thing, we'll, we'll just go ahead and skip to that last play, the Browley play. Brownlee play that everybody's talking about. It wasn't it wasn't that bad of coverage is what I saw from him. If what I saw was him not doing what he's taught to do when the ball is in the air at the high point. If you go back and I sent it to Jacob, it was a free I freeze framed it on right whenever Brownlee's hand was making an attempt to swat the ball, but he swats at the helmet. Instead of knowing where the ball's at, this is what separates, you know, an average to below average DB to a good and a, a really good DB is somebody who can obviously break the ball up. All he had to do was turn his head and flip his wrist around and flick it out more towards the middle of the field. If I'm giving you guys a better angle and, you know, vision of this and just swing, just swing your arm forward, literally, because sure. yeah. because because that wide receiver is trying to rip the ball up out of the air. Yeah, and, and so, it, essentially, to me, and I, I think you're right. It kind of looked like a more like a volleyball swat, like a volleyball spike is exactly what. Yeah, I'm like it, lo- it looked more like like uh, Anna Lococo uh, <laughs> than than, yeah, than she, uh, she had a she had a career weekend this weekend. I was about to say, I'm not yeah. sure. Uh, knowing your family, I'm not sure if she's doing a lot of spiking of the ball. <laughs> no, um, but- she, she's a libero. We, we're on the shorter side. No, my sister had a very good weekend though. I appreciate y'all for asking. We'll move on to the offense and talk about stuff that's a little bit more somber. Offensively, guys, it just – it wasn't good. And where I saw us – where I think we lost the game offensively came with the false starts. And we had one drive where we had back-to-back false starts, and then we ended up having a third false start, and then I believe we fumbled the ball. That's the game, in my opinion, right there for us. 
You don't do that. And that, that stuff kills you that everybody knows the most, the dumbest football person can tell you that if, if that happens in a game, you're going to lose. And it just didn't make sense for me. Why guys can't hold their water. This is, I, I believe the third game in a row where Tyler, uh, Tyler Hudson has jumped off sides at the wide receiver position. And even the oh. announcers are, t- even the announcers are talking about it. You're looking straight at the ball. What are you doing? And, and wide receiver, you can, hold, you can be a click. Dude. You can be a click slow at wide receiver sometimes based off the alignment of the DB. I think he's, he's had holding. He's had pass interference. I mean, he's had everything at this point. He, he did not have a good game last game by any means. Uh, what I would do, and uh, we talked about it a little bit in Fife's picks, was uh, the over routes uh, with Amari Huggins-Bruce. I, I'd love to see that stuff more. He had one that he completed, and I don't know why we don't utilize him more in that situation. He is not too, too fast, but he is fast and elusive. So he knows how to get around guys. He knows spacing. He's He's just good, and we need to get him the ball more. Uh, overall, guys, it, offensively, I, I don't have much else. Uh, I thought Malik should have threw the ball away a little bit more towards the end of the game. Uh, I, ju- I just wish we would have some more creative, be a little bit more creative, do some different things. At the end of the day, we have the depth. We have the depth at wide receiver to do that. Those motions and stuff. These utilize these fresh two freshman wide receivers. That one practice I was at was enough for me to see in their one-on-one drills and in their seven-on-seven that they could play at this level right now. Now, are they going to be guys that you want to be playing every single down and be your starters over, you know, Amari and Braden? No, not right now. They're freshmen. But freshmen also are known to make spectacular plays and spectacular moments. I know this is way blown out of proportion, but think of Tua. When Tua got thrown into the fire at Alabama, ended up winning them a national championship. You never know what's going to happen with these freshmen. These freshmen go out there and they don't know the playbook, so they make plays off straight athleticism. Yeah. Off being just a straight dog. So yeah. that that's my two cents on the game. I'm fired up to hear Presley's portion because I read part of that article and great job, brother. Yeah, I appreciate that. I was going to say for, for people at home and, and for me as well, because you've seen them in, in person a little bit, uh, quick, just like 10 seconds, 15 seconds, Chris Bell and Chance Morrow, any sort of former Louisville player comparisons or any players that come to mind that you could compare them to? Um, I'm just trying to think, like, do they have that kind of breakaway speed or are they more kind of possession guys? Before he jumps in, I feel like Chris Bell is an easy comparison to Justin Marshall from a height, size, weight standpoint. But I I don't know from a, a size standpoint or speed standpoint. Chance Morrow is of one of one for Louisville. I don't think I yeah. ever remember us having a guy that that size that wasn't Josh Trichester, which I joked about Johnny Wilson being last week. Like, <laughs> and I, I gave, I, we talked about this on Sunday. It, Satterfield talked about, well, he's a tall guy. We didn't have, what do you mean, dude? You have a six foot six receiver. Why yeah. is he not in scout team being the guy that Jarvis is on? I, I, that shit just drives me crazy. You See, have a tall receiver. Well, and there, there was only one play in that game, by the way, where his height actually mattered. True. Like, maybe length. Like, I could see maybe, you know, he's just a bigger guy. But, dude, you're just so still. He's kind of getting that bubble he, button there. You're had, talking about six, that seven, same two, drive, five, man. That yeah. same drive, he set them up. I mean, you want to talk about guys just running right past each other. He ran, I, I believe, it looked a little bit like a deep slant. I wouldn't call it a post. 
and he just ran it straight across Brownlee's face. It made no, it made no sense, and it wasn't like it was the hardest stick outside. Like he was selling something crazy out there. I mean, he just took took the cheese. Yeah, for just, sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, there, there's no excuses for that. That's it's it's bad. I, I don't know if it's bad coaching or bad play by the players on the field. What we saw on Friday night, and that's what's concerning on my end. Yeah, and before we dive into Preston, I want to give you several minutes to dive into the article and the Florida State article that you wrote because I felt like you had a, a couple of, of really good parts in that in terms of just kind of the momentum kills that Louisville have. But there's three things I want to point out here. The first thing I want to point out is that what I said last week about Malik Cunningham being a, a regress passer, I, I felt like at the moment, and a lot of times, you know, we're 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 all the the show is unique because you have journalists former player, former coach, fan. And I felt like last week you guys weren't receptive to my, to, to my comment about Malik as a passer. I felt like you guys were still in, uh, not denial, but still giving him the benefit of the doubt. Friday night confirmed Malik is not an NFL quarterback. He cannot make the throws that you want. And I don't know if we've seen in the past him do better than what we've seen this year. And I don't know if that's a wide receiver thing. I don't know if that's an offensive thing, but the, the last drive, the, the, the play that I will focus on with Malik this week, much like I did last week is a, is a routine pass in a crucial moment where the ball is just poorly placed last week, Vince and Matt, you both agreed uh, that the ball to Marshawn Ford was catchable. No, I know, but I'm saying you, oh, and, last you, week, and, last you week. and Matt agreed the yeah. ball was catchable. Okay, I'll give you that. I still felt it was a bad place ball to Marshawn that would have been a big, at least a first down had he caught it. This week, Braden Smith, second down, second and seven. They run a five-yard crossing route. They go to Braden in the ball. There were two receivers, so I'm not sure who he was throwing it to. They were mirroring each other and, and running slant or crossing routes. One was just a little bit further behind. But the ball was on, so I'm going to just go with Braden, the back hip as he's running full speed across the field. That is, and that's a five-yard pass. That is as routine as it gets at this point. Same we're in, thing happened to Tyler Hudson last drive. We're in year six of this guy, of Malik Cunningham being here, year five of him as the starter. That is ridiculous, man. And, and look, I love Malik Cunningham. I think he's one of the greatest athletes and one of the greatest players that has ever played here. But we are in a point now where you cannot take a step back in this, in this ability to be a quarterback, man. Like, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the offense. I don't know what. But what I've seen the last couple of weeks, it's not Malik Cunningham. And I don't know when we're going to get him back or if we will this season. And that's one of the things that worries me the most is I don't know if the, the offseason staying in the pocket thing just absolutely ruined him as a, as a passer. Uh, but so far, just not very good passing from him. Second thing that I want to point out here is that too many times Louisville has on the field in passing situations, Francis Sherman and Isaac Martin or Dwayne Martin. And no offense to, to Isaac, because I know that Venture, that's your boy, but the, you're talking about three guys who are very unlikely to get the ball. So you're eliminating the defense from a perspective of who they have to cover. Isaac has one target this year. Dwayne Martin has no targets this year. Francis Sherman has no targets this year. You're talking about three guys on the field sometimes, at, at two of them at the same time. What, what you need to do with that, you can use that, though. I agree, but With they're not. Forward the in the game, you have right. to have Ford in the game, and it happened on multiple occasions. I think twice in the red zone on Friday, and it's one. There was one that just stuck out in my head where they didn't even look at Isaac, and they go straight to Ford on the arrow route. That everybody in America knows that Isaac's going to be the guy that's going to hit that end right there, and Ford's going to slip off his backside. Why don't we my, do it opposite one time? Just try, just try it one time. 
here's my third thing. Louisville fans, this is for you. And this is probably more for the fans that were just there who aren't football fans. But why the hell are we cheering on offense on third down? The whole game. The whole game they're cheering <laughs> on third down, man. I, I just don't understand what we were doing. Now, eventually, as the play snapped, everybody quieted down. But every single third down on offense, the crowd is going crazy. And I'm Ooh. here for it. We're louder on offense than on defense. It's like and, the opposite and, uh, of the Colts. Here's my other gripe. Third down. <laughs> they didn't change the music. Same music from last year. What are we doing picking up third down music, man? This isn't Van Halen. Switch it up. Give me something new. All offseason, I talked about we're going to get some future. We're going to get some ESTG. We're going to get some little baby. We might get some young thugs. Some, we got the same damn two songs on third and, down. And, on and I would also suggest, too, play it louder, man. Because if the, I mean, let's be honest, USF noon game this week, <laughs> it's not going to be very pumped. There's going to be about thirty thousand people there, and if they have the same attitude as a lot of those people had on on last Friday night, they're probably going to be sitting on their hands, bro. It's going to be just me, Jacob, and and Gary the Redbird, and and Mark Blank and <laughs> Baker, whoever whoever the hell the hell else is there. Vincent Lococo, we're all, we're going to be screaming, and 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 Grandma Shirley is going to be sitting behind us, going like this, trying to look past me. Like it's it's okay to stand up and have a good time and cheer and you know be respectful of others. Obviously, you know maybe don't be like me and use obscenities or anything. But in front um, of four kids, which I tried oh, to warn you a couple I, times. I, yeah, but that's that's friendly fire. I learned the F word at U of L games, bro. Yeah, yeah, it's good for them. They're gonna they're gonna grow up much more uh, receptive to dealing with it, with Louisville football struggling. It builds character. It's not church. They'll learn. Right. They'll learn all the important stuff there. Or where you know wherever school and such, um, but no, I mean, do, let's let's dive into your segment yeah, here. Yeah, let's I do mean, it. Presses, I mean, presses prognostications, Presley's Presley's points, Presley's. What I don't know what we're calling this, but this is just going to be Presley giving us some hard data that I think when you're talking facts. about the the conversation of Scott Satterfield, too often it's easy to say fire Sat. He's not good enough. That's fair. I'll give you a lot of fans that at this point we've proven that in some parts to be true, but Presley here is coming equipped with the hard data that is going to set the conversation for what the hell is this program going to do? Because we're trending towards six and six again, we're trending towards six and six again. And that means we're going to keep another, we're going to keep the coach for another year. And then a freshman class. So we're talking two years. We're talking about year six and seven, still not knowing what this program is potentially. And I'm tired of it. And so we need to set the bar of what, they need to be better than for him to keep his job. And so Presley, I turn it over to you. Yeah. I mean, look, the, the conundrum that we're in, right. Is that Louisville I, I, to be quite honest with you. I don't think Louisville football has ever been in this situation because we've to be truly honest with you. We've really only had 20 years of, of sustain, sustained anything. You know, we've only been a, a part of a power five football program for what, eight years now. So it, it's, it's kind of, kind of hard to even equate this to anything else that's ever happened. Because Scott Satterfield appears to be good enough to coach at the Power Five level. Has he ever won a national championship? It seems highly unlikely, but is that what our expectations are here? No, our expectations are maybe to contend for the playoffs sometimes. Maybe to, you know. You win know, nine to, games, eight games every couple of years. Games, contend to win the conference. You know, th those are the goals. And, like, even when you talk to the players in the offseason, when we talk to the players, when we talk to the coaches, they don't go, oh, we're trying to get to the Final Four. They're like, no, we'd like to win our conference. Like, which is great. Like that, that's, that's just fine as well. But look, I mean, I, I think the conversation first of all, starts with, you know, 
Scott Siderfield goes to every press conference and gives the same answers, and that's fine. We've talked about this a little bit, all you know, behind the scenes that he he is a fiery guy. He's a guy that cares. He cares a lot more than what he shows, and he's not going to tip his hands in the media what he's doing one way or another, which is fine. That's fine. I can deal with that. Like I can I can accept that. But look, the product has to improve at some point on the field. And when he says we're close, we're close, we're close. Well, we've been close for a long time, and close isn't going to cut it when you're 19 and 21 over three years and some change. You got to be a little bit better. And look, there are ways that they can improve. And I think that starts with number one, getting the ball in Lee Cunningham's hands in the right situations. I think that's that's where things start. Number one, first and foremost. A lot of people are going to talk about the defense. We'll get into the defense in a second. We'll get into why the defense can improve, but why it's more of an offensive situation. Uh, if when you look at Malik Cunningham, right, like this is a guy that in the offseason, uh, when you go to ACC media days, when you talk to opposing coaches, when you talk to to scouts, the guys who know what they're talking about, this is a guy who strikes fear into the hearts of the opponents. This is a guy that they spend, you know, say it's uh, say it's Clemson and they have uh, NC State the week before. They're going to go ahead and have a couple guys prepping from Lee Cunningham two weeks ahead of time. Like that's the kind of player that he is. He's 100%. a dangerous, serious, serious weapon. Okay. Every Luke, single coach, Gus Malzone, Jeff Scott, uh, 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 Mike Norvell, and who am I missing? Week one, uh, Dino Babers. One of the yes. best, th- this is verbatim, one of the best players in the country. That's yes. what they have to, all described. Man. And, and that's not, you know, that's not hyperbole. Like they, they don't go around saying every single week, this guy's the best player in the country. This guy's the, like, they'll say, yeah, the big guy, you know, as Satterfield said, the tall guy's dangerous, you know, like that, that's, that's kind of normally the feedback you get. And they'll be like, no, number three, Malik Cunningham. We've had to face him for years. We can't wait till they get his ass out of here. He even talked about when he was on the podcast with you guys, you know, Dina Baber said, you know, I hope you're sleepy when you come play us. And apparently it was, but that's for, that's for a different day. Um, but Ultimately, I think that Malik Cunningham's strengths are as a runner, right? Like that's he's an electrifying runner. And and, and I don't mean this in, in a hateful or spiteful way or anything like that, but Malik Cunningham is what the haters say that Lamar Jackson is. That is what Malik Cunningham is. People, when they criticize Lamar Jackson, he's a running back. He should change positions and he's never going to make it in the league. This, that, and the other. Look, I mean, the reality of the situation is that he is he is at the quarterback position because it puts him in the best possible scenarios to ultimately be an electrifying playmaker, right? And so that that's that's why Malik Cunningham has been our quarterback for four years. But Louisville has to be putting Malik Cunningham in situations where he can do other things besides just sit in the pocket. And I think that's what's cost Louisville a lot. Like when he becomes predictable, that's where teams want him to be. They want him to be in the pocket. And they're going to try to keep contain on the edge and try to keep him there. Like that's – and that's, that's fine, you know – to, you know, maybe, maybe think about, you know, wanting that as a quarterback because, you know, he's not going to take, he's not going to take as many sacks or anything like that. But listen, ultimately, I think Malik Cunningham is just an instinctual player. And I think that on Friday night was the, the perfect representation of that. Scott Satterfield too many times. I mean, I'm assuming he's still got the guy calling the plays too many times. Cunningham was put in, in the situations where he basically has one or two options. He's not a multiple read guy. He's not looking guys off, throwing no look passes. He's not leading guys. And, you know, he's, he's not putting balls out there where the receiver can go and catch it. He's going to be one read, maybe two reads, and, and release the ball. That's and, the kind and, of guy and Presley, that he, he he's done. He's done that a couple of times where he sat there and he's read, you know, and, and it looks pretty and all, but it what looks, works? It looks what so works, good, man. What works for Malik? So 
It I looks pretty, but what works for what works for Malik is getting him outside of the pocket. He is an excellent exactly. passer on the run, bro. Like he, that is where he made his bread and butter early in his career. But so also, sure. but 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 when he was at his best throwing the deep ball, which made him one of the best quarterbacks in the country in 2019 and 2020, was in the pocket. He did it in the pocket. He had one of the best passing ratings in the pocket. But but he wasn't forced to stay there. Exactly, that's the key. Exactly. And that's when you look at, okay, if, we, if we're just going to isolate it to, and, and I hate doing this, but just for this, this case, because it's a perfect example, Vince has already talked about it in his game notes. When you're going to, if you're just going to isolate it to the last play of the game, you have to get a first down or you lose the game, period. End of story. Fourth and two, you got to get a first down. Me and Jacob saw the play in the pocket. We started walking out of the stadium. We already knew what was going to happen. That's not good. You cannot nope. give Malik Cunningham a situation where he is only in the pocket, especially on a on, on a do or die, you know, win or cry type of play. You know, little little Giants reference there. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Vince, I know you said that Sass not going to call these RPOs. I'm not sure exactly what what you call them. I call them RPOs, but he's got to. When you have four electric running backs like Louisville has, when you have an experienced offensive line, you have to put the ball in, into Malik Cunningham's hands in situations where. He's going to be a threat to run. When he's a threat to run, he's a better passer. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I, 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 had, I had it written in my game notes as well. I forgot to say it because it's all jumbled up at this point. But sure. uh, I would have loved for them to have thrown the ball to the running back even more. We have all these running backs, a stable running back. I mean, give Cooley some more screen plays. Just, Let not, on, Gordon hit. just not on third and seven. Not yes, on third agreed. and seven. Not on third and seven. That's well, the I mean, sometimes on third and seven because – I. That but is fair. Like when I mean, you would he, want to run, but he, he you know, was close. Yeah, no, true. But not when the game is literally on the line. And yes. that's, that is, I hope that's not your first read. I mean, cool. You took the read, but come on. Like, on a screenplay? No, no, no. Just, uh, just a general uh, dump down in the flat to the running back. Who's, I mean, the third, I think it was third and seven is the play where they ran. I, I, my play oh, cool. He had to lower no, his was, shoulder to get the first down. It was fourth down. I think he got the first down actually. So, I mean, he ended up getting it, but still he only threw the ball three yards and had he not broken a tackle, he's not getting that first down. Second thing we want to get into tonight. All right. So we, we were kind of working backwards here just a little bit, but I, I really, really just felt compelled um, over after the last couple of games to go back and look at what the defense is bringing to the table drive by drive and what the offense is bringing to the table. And granted, look, UCF missed, a, missed an important kick. Florida State missed an important kick. Like there were, there were things that happened where other teams shot themselves in the foot. I get that. But look, when you look at, when you look at just the, the statistics overall, Louisville is becoming a team with an identity where they give up leads late in games and it's not 100% on the defense. And so I went back and I broke down every game in the Scott Satterfield era. Right. And when Louisville loses games and even sometimes when they win games, they have this very same identity regardless with very few outliers. So first of all, there are just the games where Louisville has just been outmanned where they just came out and they got punched in the, in the throat or whatever the, whatever the, you know, metaphor that, that you want to use is. They came out, the other team was the aggressor, okay? First of, all, first of all, starting this season, Syracuse, they came out, they were unprepared, they were sloppy. Syracuse was the better team. They punched them in the mouth, whatever the saying is. 2021, Kentucky and Ole Miss stand out like a sore thumb. They just came out, they just were just, just outmanned. They were out, the, the other team was the aggressor. They were just 
absolutely just pulverized from the very start. They didn't have any chance of winning those games. It just was, it was what it was. They came out and asserted their dominance. Kentucky again in 2019. Miami, if you remember that game day game in 2019, just kind of came out and, and punched them in the mouth a little bit. Maybe not as much as the, those Kentucky old Miss and then, all, and then the couple of Clemson games where they've been blown out under Satterfield. But for the most part, I mean, you're looking at these teams. They're just bigger, more talented, longer teams, and they just came out and just crushed them. You know, I mean, that Miami game, six touchdowns in the first – like, there, there's just there, – there were some games like that, okay? But then you get into the few outliers are against the Wake Forest-type teams where Wake Forest defense is just as bad as, as Louisville's defense was performing, and it was just whoever had the ball last was going to win. Uh, in 2019, in Scott Satterfield's uh, first season – First, first uh, went over a ranked team, beat that Wake Forest team that had the longest win streak of the country, and it was because they had the, the ball last, right? Um, and, and it was the same situation last season against Wake Forest. It was just a back-and-forth battle. Louisville scored a touchdown too quick, um, and then, you know, Wake Forest was able to drive it and kick a field goal at the end. But then you get into the close losses, and this is where it's just maddening. It's frustrating, and, and, and people are putting too much on the defense. And let me explain. So 2022, Florida State, right? Louisville was leading in the fourth quarter against Florida State. They turned the ball over twice in the fourth quarter. If you count, you know, turnover on downs, whatever, and through an interception. Not, got nothing accomplished in the fourth quarter, outscored in the fourth quarter. You go back to 2021, and this is where you see it starts becoming a bit of a trend, right? Okay, against UCF, even though they won that game, they won that game on the back of the defense with the defensive play at the end of the game. They, their offense was outscored 14-7, when, they, when the offense had a chance to put the game away, they were outscored 14-7 and turned the ball over in the most crucial, crucial situation. So I'm, I'm going to count that game as sort of – that is your identity, right? You were giving games away in the fourth quarter. Virginia, we all know about that painful one. They were up 30-13 to with 10 minutes left, uh, outscored 21-3 in the fourth quarter. Inexcusable. And, look, that's, that's defense. But, look, if Louisville can just get a few first downs, that doesn't happen. That is that is allowed. That is just as much on the offense as it is on the defense. And, and Presley, all that that kind of plays into what I was saying in my game notes about us getting those uh, the false start penalties. Right. That that stuff right there. That's putting your defense in a bad situation. Yes. At the end yes. of the day. Yeah, and, and it goes back to kind of and, and not to get off on a tangent or anything, but it very it very much reminds me of of the Betrino Grantham days, right? So you remember all the arguments back and forth. Oh, it's Grantham's D. It's Grantham's D. Well, look, Petrino's teams, he was being very aggressive, going three and out, three and out. When you keep putting your defense back out on the field, you're asking for trouble, bro. When your defense is going out for maybe two minutes of rest after they've been on the field for 10, 12 plays, and God knows we, we've already talked about this four times tonight, they're not going to take a bunch of players out. They're playing the starters, and that's it. Like, there's a reason these guys are tired. They're playing a lot of plays. They're not, you know, Satterfield said over and over again he wants to – Work guys in, work out. You're not working shit in, bro. Like, I'm just, I'm just being honest with you. You know, like, you have your three corners you're running with, and that's it. Like, they, they, you know, we're not going to see a lot of, what is it, Chandler, Chandler Jones is the fourth quarter. We haven't seen a bit of Trey Franklin all year, but yeah, you say that, the, and Rance Connor got the butt pick. So, Rance Connor benefited Rance from Connor did have there. the butt pick. But look, I like Quincy Riley. I want more Quincy Riley. Yeah, I, I enjoy Quincy Riley, but I mean, the reality. Can we talk about if a ball hit off my butt, how far it would go? That ball traveled like two yards to Rance Connor. <laughs> if it my hits butt off right my... now, there's so much cellulite on that shit. It would just suck it right in. <laughs> you would have got the pick. Yes, I, I would have had. <laughs> he would have got the catch, dude. He would have. I would have had the catch. catch. Yeah. Just... Oh, my God. 
just squeeze that thing. I hope um, there's still Florida State fans listening. Yeah, I hope so. Um, but no, no. Okay, so Florida State. Just squeeze that thing is an all-timer <laughs> on this show, man. Oh, my goodness. Florida State, last year, right? Louisville's up 31-13. I believe they're up 31-7. They didn't score a single point in the second half of that game. Think about oh, that. I remember that one. I mean, Louisville almost lost that. Like, they almost let Florida State come back and win that game, and they were pretty bad last year. Thanks to Cottrell Clark. That's the only reason we won that game. La- yes. Last season, Louisville was leading NC State 10-7 entering the fourth quarter. They were outscored 21-3 in the fourth quarter. Louisville turned the ball over on downs three times in, this, in the second half against NC State last season. That's on the offense, bro, because when you're turning the ball over on downs, that means you're, like, right around midfield. You're in that kind of risking it just a little bit area. I'm just saying, man, that's on the offense. When you're putting when you're putting the ball almost in field goal range for the opponent every single time, you can't blend the defense on that. You just can't. Clemson last year leading 24-17 entering the fourth quarter. They were outscored 13 to nothing in the fourth quarter. Are we seeing a trend yet, guys? Oh, and that Virginia. last play. That's going back to play calling as well. That yes. last play was the exact play that Clemson won the national title off of with it, Hunter it, Renfro. It was. Again, it, it, and that was on offense. And, and again, there was nothing open. It's just it's it's maddening that, you know, this is this is has been an offense that's been kind of a top 25, top 30 kind of offense when Satterfield's since Satterfield's gotten here, but they've not scored like a top 25 to top 30 offense. Uh, we'll get into this in a second, but they're the 64th ranked offense so forth so far this year. So again, more more regression on the offensive side of the ball. When you go back to 2020, uh, Virginia outscored them 10 to nothing in the fourth quarter. Uh, Georgia Tech, I know you guys remember that one. Louisville was up 20 to 14 and a half. Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech outscored them 32 to six in the second half, 20 to nothing in the fourth quarter. Jeff Sims is one of the many of quarterback they've made look like Lamar yes. Jackson. And, and right, right on, right on cue as well. Florida State 2019, they were winning 24 to 21 against Florida State's backup quarterback. Sound familiar? Then Florida State scored 14 unanswered points. I mean, it's the same thing. It's the same thing four years later. The exact same thing happened, bro. Like, I'm just saying, it, that's, it's just it's the same stuff over and over. This is your identity. And when you're looking at even in wins, you're blowing leads in the same way. The clock's just running out. Like, it, it is very, very apparent to me and to everyone watching that they are just getting way too conservative and just, you know, whether, whether it's just, you know, they're trying to run the clock out. I'm not sure exactly what the situation okay. is. Penalties. Help me understand in the fourth quarter what changes, what happens. I, I'm not, I'm not you, really sure because in 19 when our offense I felt like was at our peak, I, I didn't feel like we did that by any means. Was have our foot off the off the gas, and even whenever I've been in there in the headset, it's not necessarily like Sats calling plays to get the foot off the gas. It it feels like it's just the same offense that we normally run. It's just, I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. It's, it seems like guys aren't – maybe the guys lay off the foot a little bit. Th- this is maybe. the problem, and, dude. And this the is offense, the problem. But, but regardless, the offense, if we're going to continue to run the ball and run the ball and run the ball, I mean, we're going to get shut out on a three and out eventually, and we're going to end up putting the defense in a bad spot. And if we sure. don't score on that drive, then, I mean, it's all about putting our defense in a bad situation. I'm with Presley on this. This, this past game, and honestly – I'd put, even say the Syracuse game, like that, that's on the offense. Like, put some points up. And All right. So, now so give the us losses, the rest of this. The, the losses that, that we're talking about, right? 
here's how many points they've scored in the fourth quarters of those games. And keep in mind, two of these games, they scored zero points in the entirety of the second half. Three points, three points, seven, zero, three, zero, zero. That's what we're looking at as, as far as fourth quarter scoring in those games. And granted, Vince, you know, we only had one example of that in 2019. So really, I think there's kind of a, uh, since Vincent Lacoco has left the staff, maybe that's what it's yeah, been. That, that could be it. But more <laughs> I likely, was there in 2020, though, unfortunately. But, all right, Presley. So quickly, so we can get into Fives Picks and South Florida. Right. Finn, let's let's round this out here. And, and what is the 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 hypothesis, the theory that you so, so the come hy- to with this? The hypothesis here, and and so I really really got into this yesterday uh, because if if you guys kind of follow Louisville football, Louisville Twitter, kind of heard on our podcast over the past years, Keith Wynn is a good buddy of the show. Jacob's neighbor just so just so happens. Um, and, and we really wanted to dive into and figure out what the what the offense was doing with those defensive stops because Louisville's calling card on defense this year, which it hasn't been in, in years past, which is another reason why I point towards the defense improving. Uh, the, Louisville against Syracuse had four consecutive stops, even in a blowout loss. They from the end of the first half to the start of the second half, they were continuing to get stops. Louisville couldn't get anything out of those stops against central Florida, obviously had 10 straight stops in the game, a little bit of luck played in there, but it was a, a lot of Louisville imposing its will. It really was. And, and uh, UCF just went out and put up 650 yards the next week. So, I mean, that's, that's 100%. Uh, that's 100% Louisville imposing its will coming out with a game plan and, and just playing with a better defense uh, against FSU. They had five consecutive stops and, you know, me and Jacob are screaming this over and over, you know, at halftime, like I'm just thinking about like we should be up 35 to 21. We should be up 38, 21 or whatever it is, 38, 14. You know, their, their starting quarterback goes out, their backup comes in. He's a little rattled. They had them on the ropes, bro. They had them on the ropes, five consecutive stops by the defense. And they're getting nothing out of that. Nothing. The offense has scored 20 total points off of 19 stops. That's so, so for every stop level scoring 1.05 points, in return, where do you think the issue in lies? I, I I get that the defense needs to make those stops at the end of the game, but look, if you're the defense, you're saying I've been making those stops all game. All you had to do was go out and kick a field goal. All you had to do was just run the ball into the end zone one time. Like that's that's like if I'm the defense, this is what I'm saying. I'd be pointing a finger. Like you know, I mean, I, I get that it's a team game, but look, this falls on the offense. Louisville's offense is number 69 in the country. Nice, and and, and it's just. <laughs> I mean, if you when you look over these stats, 113th in points per game, there's only five teams that are worse than that in the Power Five. And it's Notre Dame, who's had one of their worst starts in school history. Virginia, who's been abysmal. Georgia Tech, who's about to fire the coach. Iowa, who notoriously didn't even score, you know, won a game 7-3 without scoring a touchdown. And Colorado, who's 0-3 and has gotten bulldozed by every team they played. That is who that you're ahead of. That's it. Just think about it. 103rd in red zone offense, 91st in first down conversion percentage, 89th in first down offense. This is pathetic. This is not what, what we signed up for in the Satterfield era. And, you know, I get on the radio, you know, I listened to almost the entirety of, of, of Marcus Maven today. I've listened to a lot of the call-in shows, and every single person to a man says, fire Brian Brown, fire Brian Brown, fire Brian Brown. I'm like, yes, the defense needs to be better. 100%. I 100% agree it needs to be better. But the defense is actually improving. Offense is regressing. And there are statistical 
uh, there's there are statistics to back that up, even going back to last season. So it, it's it's something that fans need to really get into their brain and process. You know, I understand that Lee Cunningham is, is exciting to watch, but this offense is not being put into into positions to succeed. It's simply not. And and they have to learn how to, you know, like if you've ever played in like a, a two-man golf thing, right? Like this is a big golf golf thing is that, uh, you know, if you only have to take one person to score in best ball, you got to ham and egg it. That's what they say, right? Like if I'm out there and I make a birdie on a hole, it's okay if my partner's in an OB. But the next hole, he better be making a damn par. You see what I'm saying? Don't and, put and, me. And, and, and Louisville, yeah, we there, there's no ham and egging going on here. Every time the defense makes a damn stop, the offense just shits down their leg. Like, and then all of a sudden, on the, say it's five straight drives, the sixth drive, they go out there and the defense allows a touchdown and everybody on Twitter is like, oh, the damn defense, the damn defense. Like, no, it's not the defense. They've just been out there the whole goddamn game. Like, I'm sorry, but like, at some point you have to realize that if you're punting it back to them, every time you get the ball, you're going to lose games. And like, I, it's, it's, it's driving me crazy. It took everything in me not to call in the shows today like while I'm at work, because I'm like, bro, it is, it's so obvious and it's so maddening that people keep saying the same thing over and over. Cause if you look at the statistics, the defense isn't great, but they're not the reason they're losing games. They're losing games because the defense is getting worn down because of the offense. That is 100% the case. If the offense can sustain drives and they can actually score points, you're going to see a huge difference on this team. But that all starts with, with Satterfield it starts at the top, starts with the play calling. It starts with putting Malik in better situations. I rest my case, Ron. Incredible stuff. And, and my conclusion and question to you, and it's not really a question, it's just more of a statement because we need to move on here and get to five picks and get to USF. But right now, Scott Satterfield is D'Angelo Vickers with an inner circle. That is what he has in terms of play calling, okay? He is calling the shots, but his buddies are there around him feeling as if they're involved. But what we need here is a, a Michael Scott, uh, Jim Halpert co-manager situation. My thing is to the fans, if I can tell you any one thing about what I never want to be the fan that says how to fan. But what I will tell you is right now, do not place all of your ire on firing Brian Brown. This is not a Brian Brown issue. This is a Scott Satterfield. I need to look in the mirror yesterday and realize that for three straight games, the commentator on the network has commented that there is no effect of Lance Taylor at some point. You've got to look yourself in the mirror and understand I've got to hand my play calling over and he's not going to do it. And I swear it's going to be the end of him at some point. Maybe he gets it turned around, but Presley, you just laid out four years of data to to show that the offense is the issue when it comes down to crunch time. And that can only point to one individual. There is no other line to be drawn than to point that to one individual. And that is what is so frustrating. Teams make winning plays. End of story. Winning teams make winning plays. And when you have a quarterback that has five years of experience, you put the ball in his hands to make that play. You don't put the ball into the hands of, of some scheme that the, that a receiver might or might not get open. You put the ball in his hands. You put the ball in the hands of the guy that's the second leading rusher among quarterbacks in school history. You put the ball in the hands of one of the most electric playmakers you have. It's maddening. It's dumb. It's foolish. It needs to change. Like It's, just, it's frustrating to watch. Every time Louisville fans get their hopes up, they get their dreams crushed. There's zero them on reason. The ass and they shit in our hands. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we put out both hands, bro. We're squeezing both cheeks. Pete like, Thomas told me that one. Yeah. So, I, can't, I mean, I can't. it's listen. I mean, let's 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 stop this before 
you know. No, but we, I, I, th I think we've laid out the foundation here that we have three weeks until a bye week. OK, we've got the most crucial stretch that we are going to have on our schedule because bowl eligibility depends on the next three games. Yep. South Florida, Boston College and Virginia. And then you have a bye week heading into Pittsburgh. Scott, if you don't figure it out between now and then, my dude. We got to hand the play calling off by the bye week. Those are the rules. We're going to take a quick break before I throw a chair out here in Oldham County and get arrested by the Oldham County police who have nothing else to do in their lives. We will be right back on the other side. Fives picks. We're going to get better. That's the hope. We're going to start winning some money on this show. And then once we get back, uh, we'll, we'll dive into South Florida uh, because I think there is some positivity heading into Saturday. We'll be right back. All right, we keep things moving along here on From the Pink Seats podcast. Jacob Lane, Presley Meyer, Vince LaCoco. We're joined by our good friend Ian Pfeiffer, back for another edition of Fife's Picks. Ian, how are you, buddy? Doing well. How are you guys? We are doing wonderful. My question to you, I've got to start with, is did you move the refrigerator by yourself? Because I, I, my money was on last week. You moved the refrigerator without help. Oh, I'm, I trust me. I am not in any type of shape to be doing that by myself. I that was assisted for sure okay i just wanted to double check we talked off air last week about the odds of you just you know what i'll grab it and lifting the refrigerator we, we have faith in you back squatting that fridge yeah man Period. i haven't done a back squat in two years so well oh, we're yeah. glad that you're here uh, that was very kind of you to help your family with the refrigerator but uh we're back we're glad to have you back for another edition now last week your picks by proxy uh, I don't know if we want to blame Matt McGavick. That is a trend on our show and just Twitter in general is that Matt is at fault for anything that goes wrong. So uh, we obviously missed a couple of the games last week, uh, which, I, you know, if people want to go back and take a look, we don't need to dive into the details. Six and nine updated record. We're bowl eligible. Nice number. So, Ian, my friend, let's bounce back this week. Let's make it happen. What do you got? Yeah, we, week four feels good. Week four feels good for a turnaround, not just for here, but for Louisville as well. Um so I'm gonna I'm gonna start off with the with the early game this week um, with West Virginia and Virginia Tech. So we all know our good friend Stu Holt is at Virginia Tech. Um, I think that program is still in a rebuild, kind of a well, they really both are. But uh, West Virginia has too much offense. We saw in the pick game. Um, we saw with Kansas. I mean, but Kansas is good. Like who 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 would have thought we'd be saying that now that Kansas is good? Yeah, I never um, thought you'd use those words in the same exactly. Sense. So, I mean, those two offenses are really good. We saw what Kansas did to Houston. So, I think West Virginia, West Virginia at one and a half is is stealing, um, you know. And I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that. You can take it at the money line at minus one twenty five if you want. But uh, West Virginia minus one and a half against Virginia Tech. If I uh, see a uh, prop bet on the special teams for a touchdown, should I take it on that? You should. You should, should? because okay. yeah. Uh, I, I don't think those uh, that unit is going to be strapped down. But uh, moving on to uh, the next game, we're going to go with uh, North Carolina at home, minus one against Notre Dame. Uh, Notre Dame just isn't it. Uh, I think we can all see that kind of a rough start for the most handsome coach in college football. He, he is a beautiful man, but, um, you know, we, we kind of see that's why uh, – the old ball coach kind of moved on, went to LSU for for uh, other reasons, and maybe 
maybe he saw the writing on the wall at, at Notre Dame. Um, so I'm going to go with UNC at home. They can score whenever they want. Freshman quarterback, retro freshman quarterback. Uh, he's, he's a beast. Um, I'm going to go with the home team. Uh, next game, this one was tough, but uh, I do have to say uh, the Vanderbilt Commodores were the first team to hit their season total win uh, at two and a half. They are th- currently three and one, um, but they're at Alabama. Ooh. And from personal experience, I've played Alabama once when I was at Vandy and we lost 59 to zero. So 41 points. I'm taking it. Oh my God. I'm taking the Look, Alabama yeah. Crimson Tide minus 41. Okay. Make sure you uh, bleep that out for whenever, you know, five Spandy boys listening on the pod. We can just bleep that. Listen, part. listen, I, I, I love the boys. I, I, you know, I hope, wish them the best, but we're, we're trying to make money over here. Um, yep. And I, I mean, Bama's just so good. The defense is so good. Uh, at times, we saw them struggle against NIU. Obviously, the offense turned it around and, and were able to score some points. But, I mean, that was NIU. I mean, come on. And they let up, what, I mean, 35 points against NIU and 30-plus points against Elon. I just think Bama's going to put 60 up and Vanny might score 10. We'll see. But uh, – and, and garbage minutes, I might say. <laughs> All right, so that's that. Those are four picks. We're going to go to my last best bet, and I'll tell you what. Um, you know, I think Arkansas this year is an absolute wagon. We saw Bobby Petrino go into Arkansas and almost get a dub, but I I can't yeah. imagine. I can't imagine how how he got his guys fired up for that game. It probably was an awesome atmosphere. I didn't go to the game, no. Um, I wish I did though. I thought it'd be a blowout, so I didn't go. But um, they're at AM. I still think AM is a weird team right now. Uh, they really don't have an identity. Obviously, Arkansas does. It's running the football, whether it be with Rocket Sanders or KJ Jefferson. Um, I just think they dominate the run game. We saw what App State did in the run game. Uh, Miami couldn't do that because they rely on Van Dyke a bunch to throw the ball around. Uh, so I'm going to go Arkansas plus two. Or you can find it at plus 2.5, but that is also my dog of the week is Arkansas on the money line at plus 115. Um, I think there's a, I think there's good value there. Uh, if Arkansas gets this win, Alabama comes, Alabama gets a win. Uh, next, the week after, uh, Alabama or Arkansas hosts Alabama, potential college game day atmosphere. I think it'd be really special. Um, so I think that they know they have quite have, they have a lot on the line this game. Not really looking forward to it, but uh, to the Bama game, but I think they take care of business. Um, so then that that leaves me with my uh, my my money line parlay, and we're we're gonna go with the Big Twelve here. We're gonna go with uh, West Virginia on the money line against Virginia Tech and Kansas on the money line against Duke. Money line those two together, and it's plus one forty two odds. So what, gamble what is, at your own risk. This is not is financial advice. Belt? What what is your U of L pick of the week? Five, you got one for us? Yeah. So, so listen, I I hate it, but I love it. Okay, the line started at fourteen for Louisville, and it's now at eleven and a half. And I think that there is so much value in that because South Florida is a bad team, 
And last week they played in their Super Bowl against Florida, you know, keeping it close. Um, I still think, you know, Anthony Richardson still hasn't found his identity yet. You know, he's supposed to be this first round draft pick, but we, we don't really see, see it yet. Um, so I, I'm taking Louisville minus 11 and a half. Um, don't really see any props that interest me right, right at the moment. I, I do like Louisville with the spread though. I don't know what the bet is or what the what the the line is, but Amari Huggins Bruce over whatever the total is oh, over over over. How, how how many times do we see flashes of him and Braden Smith just what get get him the ball more? Yeah, and I I know you guys are are doing a whole recap of this, but you know I was just te- text my buddies and throughout the game, uh, Cam to George, TJ Hall, dudes that played, and we're just talking like we have if not the best athlete at quarterback. And we're relying on five-step drops sometimes when we're playing Florida State DBs who obviously are more physical and better athletes than our receivers at the moment. They still need to grow into their roles. But why are we not doing more Malik-designed runs? And literally two plays later, Malik goes on like that 60-yard run, whatever, (laughs) sets us up. But – I know it's easy for us to say, why can't they do this? Why can't they do that? But I mean, guys, doesn't it seem obvious sometimes? Like (laughs) you have literally one of the best athletes in the country and we're trying to five-step drop, throw the ball down the field. Yeah. And one reason why I've talked a lot about, I think that there's a need for play calling switching is because you see in these big moments, Ian, where you think the obvious, we all think it. We think do something that's Malik run, design run, and there goes Malik in a five-step drop. And he doesn't do that like normally. That's not a huge part of the offense. And you just say, what in the hell are you doing? You overthought it. It's like Sat is yeah. now in his head of being so himself with his play calling that now he's trying to kind of I don't second guess, but also kind of add new wrinkles. And he's overthinking it. And it's, yeah. it's blatantly obvious and it's frustrating to watch. You know, I, I watching the game last night, the, the Bills and Titans, obviously, like completely two, two completely different quarterbacks with Josh Allen and, and, and Malik, obviously one's a lot more physical. They both like to run the ball, but you know, you're not generally seeing Josh Allen just take a five-step drop and throw it 60 yards to Stefan Diggs. Yeah. They do it off the play action so often, but they, they do a lot of zone read, get the ball in the flats, let the receivers do work. That works just as well as a three to four yard outside zone run. It's the same exact thing. Get the ball out of the hands to the receivers. Let them make plays. And I don't see – I don't I don't know why we're not doing that kind of stuff either. You know what, play? I, it doesn't really feel like the same offense that we were running back in 19 whenever it was really – It doesn't. MVP. It doesn't. And, uh, you know, they hit us on a play. I'm sure you noticed it too. It was probably your favorite play to run in the red zone. That wide dunk pass play that you know we run every single – Wednesday in the red zone and offense scores every single time in the red zone because our linebackers are notorious for having bad eyes. They, they ran, they ran that twice on on the same drive once to, to get them down to the red zone. And then the second time for the touchdown. And I was just watching the whole time. I was telling my wife, I was like, look at the tight end. Like, and I know what they're doing. And then you see our linebackers just, either not even looking at it or missing a tackle somewhere. Just right on past. (laughs) Right on pass, man. It's- and let, let me ask you this. So I'm, I, I know that I have a big head, but if you saw me in person, I'm, I'm much smaller than you are, much smaller than you are. Uh, so I don't, I don't have any sort of 
football background, nor did I go to Vanderbilt. So I got, I have a bunch of stuff going against me here. But, but you are a Spalding superstar. Let's I, I am. I am. I was recruited by one school and I said, hell yeah. And I was on campus the next day. That's my recruiting story. <laughs> so, so let me, let me ask you this from one person who doesn't know jack shit to the other person, right? I'm throwing my hands up in the air because you're saying the exact same things that people who have, you know, much, much less foot, football acumen than you do. I think my number one concern with this team is not even the defense or the play calling. I think that it's just that that Louisville is not giving Malik Cunningham enough chances to utilize his strengths. I think that's what it comes down to. I mean, this kid turns 24 years old in three weeks, man. Like at some point you just have to acknowledge that he is who he is. And and it's that simple. And against Florida state against uh, Syracuse a lot, it just feels like they didn't put him in in positions uh, to, to play winning football. What, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I would have to agree with that. I mean, it kind of seems like for the last three years, uh, uh, the offense kind of tr- is trying to turn in, turn him into something he's not. Um, we we saw, you know, the, I mean, when I played in in 2019, um, he was an absolute dog because he he ran the ball well, and we threw the ball off of him running when they expected more runs, and it. I mean, you're, you're right. It, it just doesn't seem like we're putting him in the best situations to, to kind of, um, you know, excel. Like when we're, when we're down and we're, we're dropping back and, and throwing the ball three times. And, you know, that's when his interceptions come because we don't have, we're, we're still, we're also still waiting on that one receiver to step up and be that playmaker to go, go up and get a ball. And, and it, it's, it sucks to see, uh, but, but at the same time, you're kind of playing into your own hand there, Pfeiffer, because they're not – it all goes back to them not putting Malik in the same situation to succeed. And yeah. what yeah. did we succeed at most uh, in the passing game in 2019 and 2020 with Tutu with the, were those deep overs, yeah. which Amari Huggins-Bruce can 100% be that guy for you. He caught one uh, this past game whenever he got hurt for that one play. That, that was the deep over route right there, and, you know, Malik hit him perfect in stride. He had to slow down a little bit, but – I mean, still, the, the stuff's there. I don't understand why we're not finding it. Uh, I, there, there, there are a lot of things that uh, just watching, kind of being in the offense for two years, that I wish we changed. Like, I mean, we're still running shallows on third down. We're still running slants and outs on every single third down. Like, like Vince, you, what's going to be called first? What's going to be called first before that play? Well, outside zone. Oh yeah, yeah, a hundred percent, hundred percent. Oh yeah, they're they're be calling a, a hard count freeze play. It's gonna be a hard count. You'll what? I mean, every time, but every time. I, I mean, we. I don't. I don't think I ever converted a mesh when we were there. It, they just they just don't work when when you know they're coming. I mean, that's that's a, those those are other conversations for another time. But those are the picks, best yeah. bets, <laughs> dog of the week, <laughs> and uh, my money line parlay. Uh, I would, I'd be looking at that Arkansas game. I think it's going to be a fun one. Yeah. Well, it, it was great getting to to talk more with another player who uh, has an idea of what is out on the field and what they're seeing. And, and it'll be frustrating until it gets figured out, but in true Cardinal fashion, we will put back on our optimism hats for Saturday that things will get turned back around and that we will be victorious once again And Pfeiffer. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your night, my friend. We will see you next week. Yep. Thanks guys. 
All right, that wraps up five picks. Uh, big thank you to Ann Pfeiffer. Um, I don't feel better about Louisville after that conversation. Um, in fact, I feel worse because you're talking about a guy who played in the system for two years, um, having some of the same questions that we have. And look, not every player who plays for every coach is a fan of that coach. That's not that's not true. Don't, so don't draw that line in your head. These are real conversations that a lot of former players are having who played for Sat, who didn't play for Sat. There's something that is in the well, water. And the thing is, is like it's like Fife and I both love set. Like we absolutely That's not that, that look, that is yeah. not the issue with it's anybody like, in this. We, we're just man. like, what are we doing? Like, why why are we not running the offense we know that is this is not all right. We just had this conversation. This is, my last yeah. thing with that is this is not Louisville football. But no this weekend, South Florida comes to town, and South Florida is a team that um, for the last 10 years you thought they'd be better from Charlie Strong now to Jeff Scott. They've just kind of been mediocre to not good, mostly not good. The last year they go, I think, two and nine. And you're talking about a team um, that when this game was scheduled was supposed to be one of the premier, uh, you know, I don't, not mid-major programs. That's not fair to them at this point. But you know what I mean? Not not the, one of the best you, power five if schools. If you go back to when the game was scheduled, a stretch of, of – uh, We thought we were playing Charlie, dude. That's well, what this came well, down yeah, to. Yeah, and, and you're looking at Central Florida, who just came off their fake national championship. Uh, you have South Florida, who was supposed to be improved under Charlie Strong. We saw how that worked out. And then you have Florida State, who was just a couple of years off of a real national championship. Like, this would have been a hell of a ride, bro. I mean, we're still sucking either way. But, like, I mean, this would have been this would have been a hell of a ride. This is a game that uh, it matters, obviously, because you need the victory. But we're talking about a team that is coming off of a, a – a, a loss, but a loss that might be program shifting. Uh, this is a, a game against Florida, who is a top 20 team that they lose by three in a missed field goal situation in a game that South Florida, quite frankly, should have won. And you get press conferences this week that if you played them on top of each other, Jeff Scott and Scott Setterfield, both guys are saying the same thing about their teams. We're one play away. We were right there. We had it. So this is the battle of the team. Of, the same, the we'll see action. who's really one play away on Saturday. We will, and that's what scares yeah. me because it really is <laughs> a battle of yeah. the, the the plays. And and to dive into this, this is a team that is going to come in and they're going to do one thing, and they're going to do it really fucking well. They're going to take a Marshawn Lynch approach, and they are going to run the ball down your throat as much as they can. And when you think you've had enough, they're going to hit you with a little outside zone, and they're going to get you. And the last couple of weeks between their three running backs uh, and Brian Batty, Jaron Magnum, which Magnum is just a dope ass running back name. I don't know what the first, I don't care what your first name is, but if your last name is Magnum and you're running the football, you're a badass in my I, life. I, I can't remember which one he is, but he better be, he better be extra large, bro. He's the big boy. He's the big boy. I think he's number zero, if I'm not mistaken. And then you have Michael Dukes. Uh, and then of course the quarterback, Jerry Bohannon. So you're talking about much like Louisville, three running backs and a quarterback who can run the football. Jerry Bohannon to me is Puma pass. That's who he reminds me of. Oh. Uh, But which is is interesting because he threw 21 touchdowns and seven interceptions at at Baylor last year and looked like he was, you know, kind of firmly in that position as the quarterback, obviously lost the job and now has transferred out. But this is a guy who will, uh, if Puma had been in his past at Lul, been at his best, this is what it would have looked like. Six foot three, 225 pounds running down your throw, but he's a very cerebral player. And Jeff Scott this week, he talked about what I am most concerned about is what, Jeff Scott said Jerry Bohannon is the best or Gary Bohannon is the best at. And that is taking your two edge defensive ends and reading them based off of their hip movement. That is what he does. 
and they're going to run a lot of Vince. You don't call them RPOs. I don't really know what to call them anymore since you told us that they're not RPOs and maybe it's just Louisville, but they're going to run a lot of plays <laughs> where they have three options to run the football. They're going to most likely have two backs in the backfield. He's going to play action to one. And then he's either going to decide if he's going to pitch it to the other or keep it himself. Some would call that the triple option. I don't know if that's what we're going to call in this offense, but that's what it looks like. And what that does and what Florida was really bad at was guessing where the ball was going. And guys, I've got bad news. You know, who's also really bad at that. Louisville football is really bad at eye discipline, really bad at staying home. And if we don't figure out what to do with our linebackers in this game, they're going to torch us. They're going to torch us uh, because what they will also do. And despite the fact that, and this is maybe a silver lining, maybe it's the worst nightmare that you could have is Gary Bohannon has not thrown a touchdown this season. We're talking about three games. Uh, in that just screams come to Louisville and have six touchdowns. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. And so this weekend I'm really nervous because you're talking about a team who, uh, can really, really run the football. Uh, they had two 100-yard rushers against Florida. They've had several 100-yard rushers. They've, their fourth best running back has three touchdowns uh, in terms of their three backs and their quarterback. So they have a number of different options. But Louisville proved against, against Central Florida that they can stop the run. Now, Treshawn Ward, um, uh, Tua Tafili or whatever, how you pronounce his last name, and then obviously Travis and Rotomaker obviously proved they could run. But Louisville, when they are – kind of pushed against the wall to stop the run against anybody that's not Kentucky. They can do it. They did it last year against NC State with Bam Knight. They did it with Sean Tucker. Now, that's last year. That's not this year. But Presley laid it out. This defense, especially up front, if we're going to talk about this defense, the, the defensive line is carrying this group right now. Yasir is included in that. But Dez, Jared, uh, Jared Dawson, y- Yaya Diaby might be the MVP of this defense right now, quite frankly. Ashton has played well. They're playing with their hair on fire. Hey, and Brian Brown TP and Dorsey week. told us earlier in the early in the year we did yeah. not believe them. We did not. I believe them. You didn't believe them. You put some respect <laughs> on my oh, beliefs. Okay. okay. But you're talking about Baylor. Uh, or, excuse me. Central uh, South Florida is going to come into town here with a, a group that can can really run, and then a defense that has a talented secondary, athletic playmakers everywhere. So it's we're in the fourth week of this. This is the same shenanigans we've seen for three weeks. And why I think this game is make it or break it is if you can't, if they lose this game, guys, you might as well wish your season goodbye. The fans are done. Um, I think a lot of the players are likely done. Um, And I hate to say that, but you'll probably see guys just kind of check out because I think you'll start to see an unbelief in what's happening around them. And so I say all that to say, I feel like Louisville might bounce back this weekend. And I don't know if that's the fan in me, but I go back and I watch the BYU game with, with South Florida this year, and then I watched them film of last year, and they give you every opportunity. And can you take it? And that's, that's the scary thing because it comes down to, to that. But it also, in bounce-back games, Presley, you laid out all those games where they shit the bed. In those bounce-back games, they're typically really good. And so I feel like the score of 43-24 that I predicted at the beginning of the season might hold up here. It might hold up, and maybe, just maybe, a blowout win sets you right back to where you should be. I don't know. Listen, so this is the type of team that if you let them hang around. They'll beat you. I don't know if they'll beat you, but history indicates that they probably will beat you. And 
I think it's the type of team, Jacob, you indicated already in our, in our conversations earlier today, you can run the ball against this team. And so Louisville needs to come put on their big boy pants and it's going to be hard. Uh, yeah. I saw that bug there, Ben. It's not scary, bro. <laughs> yeah. Dip, dodge and dodge. Yeah. you you got all the D's in there. That's what she said. And so <laughs> my bad, man. Who invited um, this guy? <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Um, man, I totally lost my train of thought now. Um, <laughs> it, it, this is a team that what they're going to do at their core is they're going to make Louisville's linebackers and their defensive ends read what they're doing. Yeah. And I have yeah. no confidence to believe that they're going to read it correctly. I just, yeah, and, I, I mean, it, it's the same strategy that you came out against central Florida and against Florida state with stick with that shit, man. Like I, tr- like I really do trust the cornerbacks. Jarvis got cooked because Jarvis got cooked because he kind of, he kind of laid it out there and just kind of put a target on his back. I mean, those guys know his tendencies, the guys he's playing against. I mean, Vince, you can, you can, you know, you got to go at your boy. You get, you got to go at your boy, man. You see it when you're old, especially even it's, it's one thing in high school, you know, your buddy transfers to another school. You want to, you know, get a couple licks on, in on him. But mm-hmm. I feel like that's even more amplified in college. I, mm-hmm. you, you guys saw it, uh, shoot, last year with Florida State, whenever Chuba came in. Yeah. Or was it last year or was it the year before? I can't remember. We were at home. It was COVID 20 year, 2000 it was COVID year. Went over okay. nine. Yeah, Take exactly. that, Florida State fans. If you're exactly. Still like when Chubba came in, all those dudes, they knew Chubba was coming here. And you got to think those kids in that recruiting class that had built up a relationship with Chubba. So, yeah. you know. Yeah. At the end of the day, here's what it comes down to. Can you can you take away that that read uh, run option? Can you take right. away their ability to get consistently running with the football? And if you can, here's what you're going to encounter. You're talking about a guy at right now at South Florida at Baylor. 20, 20 passing touchdowns and seven interceptions. Twenty twenty one was his best year. Twenty twenty two zero passing touchdowns, four interceptions. He's uh, about a fifty percent passer. 507 yards, and he's throwing the ball 5.9 yards per attempt. This is an offense that does not want to throw the football. And th- but this is- they have Xavier Henderson, okay? This is a kid that has premier size. He's a speedy guy. Um, I-, I cannot remember the guy's last name. Um, I want to call him Jimmy Cooks, but that's not his name. That's a Drake song. But, yeah, uh, his first name is Jimmy. <laughs> plays for South Florida. He's a five foot nine wide receiver. He lines up in the slot. He lines up out wide. Dave will throw a lot of screens to him. He will be – Jimmy Horn. He will be healthy this week. He will be back. He's a guy that dangerous uh, is dangerous against Louisville because of the inability to tackle. Uh, if you can get them to throw the ball, I feel good about that. And on the offensive side of the things, if Malik can just be accurate, Anthony Richardson had every opportunity to dice that defense. He was not an accurate passer. He threw bad pass after bad pass after bad pass. And yet Florida won the football game. If Malik Cunningham can come out and just play slightly better, read his defense a little bit better, take advantage of Mar Amari Huggins-Bruce in the Z receiver spot. Is that the right Is that the la- right letter? Uh, depends on the, the formation and stuff. Okay, so, I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll, give, is, I'll give you that. If we're running two tight ends, he'll D, probably be at the Z. Is that what D was in, the, 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 the Z spot? That's what Satterfield said he would play. Amari uh, Huggins-Bruce would yeah. play that spot this week. Yeah. So you're talking about the guy who's in the deep crossing pattern route now has the opportunity to get, I think we're going to see a 70 yard Amari Huggins Bruce touchdown this weekend. I think that this offense should have every opportunity to bounce back. Caleb Chandler is back. I think you start Michael Gonzalez at left tackle. You get this offensive line finally moving in the right direction. You get Tyon Evans back and then you have Tyon Evans, Jawar Jordan, Trevion Cooley, Malik Cunningham. Everybody's running. 
and you feel good about what you can do. But it all comes down to can you tackle and can you take care of the opportunities to pass the ball when they give it to you? And I, and I, I don't know. And that leads us into our predictions now, which makes things a little bit tricky. Um, because I, I, my heart wants to go 43-24 Louisville to win this game, get some reps for the young guys, get out of there. But I just, I just don't know. I just don't know if they'll be able to do anything better from a reading and reacting standpoint than what they've done. And because of that, I'm going to compromise on my score. I don't think Louisville is going to get to that 14 and a half that the line opened at. I think Louisville is going to win by probably 10 to 13. I will go 35. 24 Louisville wins Vince uh mine will probably be a little shorter than yours Presley I'm going 28 14 bad guys and I just I don't have much confidence in the offense right now I are creative I don't think we're as creative as we have been in years past uh I'm not that confident in Malik right now throwing the ball uh not that confident in Sats play calling I love what the defense has been able to do, but I just feel like their offense is going to put them in bad positions. And I don't know. It's when it's laid out as plain, plain as day, like how Presley just laid it out to us. I mean, there's not much you can really argue against. So there's some changes that need to be made and we'll see if they need to, you know, see if they address us. What was that score prediction again? I said 28 to 14. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I kind of like that. Um, I'm going to go kind of the same same range as you, but here, here's what I'm thinking. Look, Louisville, if there's one positive thing that you can say about this, about just the history under Satterfield, they almost always come out with kind of their hair on fire when their backs are against the wall. You know, in college football, it's not it's never fun to lose one, but when you lose two in a row, that's when shit starts to hit the fan regardless of how good or bad you are, right? It's very depressing showing up on Sunday after losing two in a row. Can you imagine going two and ten in a season, Presley, and showing um, up on those Sundays? <laughs> listen, listen. No, I mean, no, but I was there on Saturdays, bro. And, that was yeah, and I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, but I, I, I just think that I do think this defense is improving. I really do. And they came out with a good game plan against against the last two opponents. You saw the difference, though. Jordan Travis is a pretty high-level QB, 10 for 10. They let him go, you know, kind of brought the heat a little bit, kind of stacked the box, let people go one-on-one, and the water seat, or the, the corners kept getting cooked over and over again. Once they kind of settled in a little bit, the defense was a little bit better, especially once, you know, you get out of that, you know, the two or three scripted drives as well. Um, so that, that's, that's one thing to consider because you saw a lot of different stuff from John Rice Plumley, who is a good runner, but a bad passer. And I think Jerry Bohannon is kind of of the same mold. He's a guy that's going to get some, some yards with his feet. He's going to be elusive. He's going to, you know, kind of run some dudes over. Like I'm sure some guys will get on his highlight tape. Like that Louisville's notorious for that, but look, I'm going 42, 28. And I think that it's going to be kind of, you know, a comfortable lead at halftime, but Louisville does what they do. I mean, we're going to, you know, they're going to put in some second string O-linemen, o- do nothing fancy in the second half, go three and out, three and out a couple times and let uh, South Florida kind of creep in just a little bit. But I, I think I'm comfortable with where, where the offense can be against the defense that's kind of this susceptible uh, to the run game. You're getting Tyon Evans back this game. Uh, hopefully they're saying that they think Tyon Evans is going to be back. So 
you get, you're getting one of your starting offensive linemen back. So I think those two things are, are helpful. You did just score 31 points against Florida State. Their defense is sure as shit isn't, isn't worse than uh, uh, South Florida's. So I'm, I'm going to go 42-28, um, you know, and, and I would go something, you know, kind of a larger margin. Like, I, you know, in my heart, I kind of feel that. But at the same time, they're giving me nothing this year to say that they're going to beat a team by, you know, three-plus touchdowns. So I think 42-28 is a comfortable spot there. There you go. There it is. We'll see where we come out on the other side next week. This weekend, Louisville, South Florida, Saturday noon. I would encourage you to get out there, support the guys. It's going to be a good opportunity to enjoy some nice weather. We'll be out there as a family, taking my four-year-old to her first football game. Going to be a good time. Uh, If you're just tuning in for the first time from the Pink Seeds podcast, anywhere you get your shows, be sure to subscribe, give us a rating, review all that good stuff. We appreciate you tuning in. Despite everything that's happening off the, uh, on the field for Louisville, some of the struggles early on, be sure to give us a follow on Twitter. I would say follow us at State of Lou. Still do that. We might see if we'll get back into that account at some point. But for now, taking a little break from there as Twitter is de- determined that we should not have access. Follow us on Twitter at JacobLane08, at Vincent Lococo, at Press Meyer. Check out stateoflouisville.com, at Matt underscore McGavick. Louisville Reporter Sports Illustrated is where you can find his work. Long episode tonight, but it's a, it's a much-needed one. Much-needed one, a lot to get into. Hopefully next week we've got much, much more uh, pep in our step as we come back from a, a victory on a Saturday. Scott Satterfield will be happy, that's for sure. We will catch you next week from the Pink Seeds Podcast. Till then, go Cards. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.